This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Huskers got it! Underdog, and they won! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor, Cole Stukenholz, and sports director, Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is the last one of June. We've reached the halfway point of 2022. The end of the fiscal year. The end of the fiscal year. Wow. (laughs) Sounds very businessy. Doesn't it? That's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director. I am Cole Stukenholz, KLIN Contributor, Part-Timer, Moonlighter. I can't use Moonlighter. I already assigned that to Matt Wall. We've already given week. that nickname away. I'm just, I'm just here so I can talk to you about another D-line commit for Nebraska. We just talked about that last week, and now we've got <laughs> another one this week. Uh, we are... Into summer position previews as well. We'll talk running backs. We've got we've got a few things to get to. We we do have as as we are here in the summer, we are in the thick of summer sports season with my kids. And so I've got I've got a little uh first grade T ball action later today. Ooh. Uh we, we do not we have a bye week for the soccer, the three on three soccer for my third grader. But uh, we'll we'll get back to that after uh, after the Fourth of July. Three on three soccer. How how does that? Is it just a really condensed field? Or? Yeah. So it's they do a smaller field. Okay. Smaller goals. No goalies. Oh, okay. I yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So it's and like some of the mini games on FIFA. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's it's cool. And and the there there's a little. It's not a goalie box. Cause there's no goalie. But there's a little box around the goal. And the way I described it to my third graders, because I'm the coach of that team, is okay. That goalie box is lava. You can't you can't be in there because if you are in that box and you touch the ball and you're on defense, it's a goal for the other team. Yeah, automatically. So so yeah, no, it's we're 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 in the thick of it and and it's as as Nebraska's sports are are you know kind of getting themselves aligned for the fall and the winter and the spring and what various you know various seasons they have coming up. It's it's as as a parent who is more and more into the uh, sports schedules and. We've got a ten-year-old who does dance basically full time, uh, as well. It, the, the schedule is already insane for us as parents, and I don't have anybody past elementary school yet. <laughs> and so you you start to extrapolate that out, like, okay, what are what are what are their time demands going to be going forward, and and then you you know you you see guys like. Maverick Noonan mm-hmm. and uh, other various kids, and they're you know they've got all these camps that they're going to in the summers, and they have basically year-round training that they're doing, kind of specialized stuff like at the Warren Academy in Omaha, and you 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 still want like the multi-sport athlete as much as you can get, but there's so much specialization that's out there available to kids now, and the way that the way that the game evolved is is pretty incredible because you you always have more you always the, the game gets more skilled as mm-hmm. you go and it's it's pretty impressive from my perspective and and looking at you know some of the some of the kids that I've coached they have older siblings and and one of them ran track at Southwest did pretty well and so I'm I'm starting to see it now from the other side of it as a parent and and from my kids' perspectives. Yeah, um, you know, I've covering this for you know however long it's uh, it's been and and seeing it from you know the the media side and okay this kid commits and you know it, it gives you a little bit of a different appreciation for the types of commitments that these kids are making to be able to play at a high level and, and get a chance to play at a place like Nebraska. There it's becoming increasingly difficult to be a very talented multi-sport athlete. Um because the 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 further you go on, athletes are just better. 
you know, like just year over year, just there's a little bit more athleticism. And that's just what happens as time goes on. People get more advanced in the training techniques. Um, a lot of people are just uh, introduced to the sports younger. So they start developing the movements a little bit younger. Um, so not everybody. Obviously, there's very good athletes from 10, 15, 20, 50 years ago that could absolutely compete today. I'm not saying that. But as a whole, the floor is higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a little bit less opportunity. Let's say someone is a decent swimmer, and they are a, they're a three-star football player and a decent swimmer, and they're okay at baseball. Well, if they go to like Lincoln Southwest, your multi-sport athlete's going to have a really hard time making that swim team as just a decent swimmer. Yeah, you know, like there, there. Sometimes it just depends on the program you're at. Um, think about what uh, what Omaha Central, their basketball teams. There are some years I bet that there were guys that could have made varsity on just about any other program in the state for Class A. But they weren't cracking that at Omaha Central. Millard North over the last few years. Yeah. You know, like the, sometimes it just depends on the program you're at, that whether or not you're going to be able to fit in as a multi-sport athlete at your school. Now, do I think there are plenty of guys, especially in football, that could multi-sport with track and field for sure? Because they're already some of the be- best athletes in the school. They're definitely going to be able to run really well, think Malachi Coleman. Who said on Jack Mitchell's podcast that he was going to do both yes. wherever he went. Um, some folks, well, Cam Jurgens did that. Right, Cam. Um, and some other folks that I definitely know, linemen could go throw mm-hmm. and just get those get footwork in, um, get some, some new skills for that lower body, and that's going to do nothing but help them. I think there are opportunities but if you have people who are not introduced to those sports, it's harder to convince someone to go be multi-athlete. So the important part is to just introduce people to stuff. Yeah, like that. That that's what it comes down to. And, and obviously, I see you doing that. I, I want to do that with my little one when she gets a little bit older. But it's just an introduction to stuff, whether that's sports or life. Right. You know. Um, Obviously, in life, it's, okay, can we go to the splash pad? Can we go visit Grandma Grandpa? Can we um, just go on a drive to this state park? Just introduction to stuff. It works the same way in sports. If you are at least introduced to something early on, you might come around to doing that later. I think it helps out. But, yeah, right now, when you see these high-level athletes that have done a couple of sports, think who's coming in that, that recruit for women's basketball and volleyball. To do that at that high of a level? Right. And now you're going to come do it at the University of Nebraska, which has got some of the prouder women's programs in the country, some of the most distinguished in the country. That's amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's just not to go on a big, long multi-sport tangent here, but it's it's so incredible to see some of these athletes that are able to pull that off, and then now they're going to come to Nebraska. And and the other part of it is, and this this part gets talked about some, but I I, I don't think you can talk about it enough. You do get a lot more uh, versatility in your game. You have some skill set that other athletes at your position in football in particular don't have if you do have a multi-sport background. The two that I always think of are Indomitian Sioux, Mm -hmm. soccer, and all through his youth, and everybody throughout his time at Nebraska always raved about how quick his first step was, mm-hmm. how quick his feet were, how quick he would use that to get around guys on the offensive line. And so Sue playing soccer, that leads to changing a little bit of, of how, how offensive linemen have to defend him um, at the D-line position. And then the other one I always think of is Patrick Mahomes and the way that he played baseball growing up. Yeah. Of course, his father was a pitcher in, in, in Major League Baseball. So he's uh, able to hit a different arm slot. Yeah, all kinds of arm slots because he was he was always the guy with the really strong arm. And so once he, it, it, early on in his youth, he was not allowed to play any position but first base <laughs> or a catcher because he threw too hard. Uh, but then when he was older, he would play shortstop or third base because that's where the strong arms are. Mm-hmm. And so you get all those different arm slots trying to get that ball over to first. Yeah. And now you see that translate to the professional level. Those types of experiences 
for those younger kids. And some of the guys on this uh, Nebraska recruiting class, you know, the, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen who wrestle, Nash Hutmacher, we may see a lot of him this season mm-hmm. on the defensive line. Huge wrestler. And, well, wrestling- and, and, and when they're getting recruited, coaches are seeing, especially for someone like Nash, yeah. how they are moving their feet and moving their bodies on a wrestling mat. Yeah. They're, they're watching those other movements. When I got recruited to, to, to throw for track and field in college, one of the videos that convinced the coach to offer me scholarship money was a baseball recruiting video I had. Because a lot of it's the same movements, and it was the way I moved my hips yeah. um, and just kind of getting into a power position. But coaches are doing that. They're watching the way someone moves on a basketball court. They're watching the way someone runs. How, can they, how quickly can someone get to their top speed in the 100? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I think that receiver is going to be someone that we can just say, all right, it's an all-go, and we're throwing it up, so you're going to have to get down there. Like Those are all things that coaches are paying attention to. And Nebraska's got a lot of folks that are like that, and I think that that's good to see. Obviously, there are still still folks that just specialized. They just did one sport. And that's always going to be a thing. But the more multi-sport athletes you can come around to, like that's that's the goal, is to get to having more multi-sport athletes. um, Because I think your team is just better because of it. Even multi-sport doesn't have to be three, four sports. Just can you add another sport that might improve your main sport? So uh, the the end goal is to get to that. And I know John Cook talks about that all the time. Loving multi-sport athletes. The majority of the team, the players on John Cook's teams are volleyball only, you know, as, as they go through high school. Yeah. But... The goal is to have those multi-sport athletes because when you do have those, they're special. They are incredibly special. Yeah. It's it's a pretty big coup to get somebody like that, and, and Nebraska does have somebody uh, who will be playing. I, I don't have the name in front of me either, but the the to play to, be able to play volleyball and men, women's basketball at this level uh, is pretty impressive. Speaking of John Cook and Nebraska volleyball, ho-hum, uh, they, they get another number one national recruit. <laughs> yeah, just another one. This uh, week. By the way, it's uh, Maggie Mendelson. Mendelson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of Utah. There you go. Yeah, so so John Cook uh, doing it again. Uh, not No surprise. Um, we'll tell you about the number one overall recruit for volleyball coming to Nebraska. At least according to one publication. One publication. We'll take well, all the publications. Whichever publication is, you know, <laughs> uh, you know how that works. Uh, Nebraska getting uh, a, guy, a guy that a lot of publications like uh, on the defensive line. Uh, we'll tell you who that is. College World Series finals are set. Uh, an old friend in the coaching ranks. Back in the coaching ranks. We've got all that coming up and our running back position preview. What to expect from the backfield in 2022. That is all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, we have some technical difficulties on the Facebook Live, so we will not be able to show you it's broken. our beautiful faces this morning. But uh, uh, Yeah, technical difficulties. Good old AM radio <laughs> is still there, and FM radio, as, uh, as you can tune in, of course, on 1400 and 99.3 KLIN. Okay, so Maverick Noonan yes. is in, Caleb. Maverick Noonan, uh, one of the top targets for Nebraska football uh, for the 2023 class, he is an edge defender. He is an in-state kid. He is a legacy. Mm-hmm. He is at a position of need. Like I don't know how many more boxes <laughs> this is a guy a- could check. Yes, but it's it's a hugely important it's a hugely important get for Nebraska and Mike Dawson at this position. Another win for him as he got Riley Van Poppel last week and Barrett Rude uh, contributing to the com- to the commitment as well. Uh, and and Maverick Noonan is uh, a part of this class, and and one of the one of the guys that they really had to get getting back in 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 with the the top top guys in the state of Nebraska. Yeah, and if you think about it, right now you've only lost in that top ten two guys that are both going to go to the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, and they're um, going power five. Yeah, they're they're going power five, but they one's going to go play quarterback at Oklahoma, the other tight end at Oklahoma State. What happens when vice versa? Zane Flores is playing quarterback at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State and then tight end at Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Now, what that does, the bright side of that, you're not going to see those guys. 
You know, like outside of a bowl game or something like that. You're, One of them's going to the SEC. Yeah, you're 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 <laughs> not going to see those guys. So that's not right. the same as losing a recruiting battle to Iowa or Wisconsin or Minnesota and your division guys. Yeah. Even if divisions go away, you're still going to see. I would still expect to see those teams every single year. Right. Um, and you're right. Just checking all the boxes. It's an in-state guy. It's a uh, one of the top ten guys in the state. You just you had to get him. Mm-hmm. This was a you don't miss out on this kind of guy. The right. two that are going down to the state of Oklahoma, would you have rather had them? Yes. But they were guys that it was on the edge of, we can, we'll be okay. This was a guy that you look at and you go, could we have maybe found a replacement out, outside of the state? Maybe. But you weren't going to get a legacy guy in that same position. You weren't going to get a big dude legacy in state the way Maverick Noonan he checks every single one of those boxes just up the road um Elkhorn South and so like when you start to add everything in for it and the position of need all of it so yeah. so when when you now the the bigger impact for this obviously there's the future impact on the field but when we start to extrapolate what this is going to be for Scott Frost and company is their discussions with Trev Alberts, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. is when you're having those discussions, and whether it's a, a five and seven, six and six, seven and five, the year is not quite as good as you would have wanted, but it was it's better than the years you've had. The conversation that Trev gets to have with the coaching staff is, I've seen what's going on on the field, but I'm also seeing what's happening in recruiting the types of athletes that are coming in, the number of in-state guys that are electing to stay, the types of in-state guys that are electing to stay. After just less than a year of this new staff that is really yes. doing work. Yes, that's the big deal. And, and obviously this is, we, we you see the recruiting and you go, what is this going to mean for the playing field? Um, but the way the Scott Frost era has gone, you also have to look at it on what it means for the conversation about the future of Scott Frost at Nebraska. Yep. And this is a boon to that conversation. Certainly going to help. Certainly going <laughs> to help. And, and for those that don't know, Noonan uh, is the son of Danny Noonan. First team All American in 1986. Is that good? Was a first round pick by the Cowboys. Is that good? A little bit before my time. <laughs> um, and and so those are those are uh, a couple of uh, indications of his lineage. Uh, pick Nebraska over Stanford and Iowa. Mm-hmm. Stanford, of course, where uh, another Omaha kid, Harrison Phillips, went uh, a few years back. He's now uh, a D lineman uh, and I think a starter still with the Bills. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, just can't get by Patrick Mahomes though. Too bad for Harrison. Uh-oh. Uh oh. And then, and then, yeah, you, you have you have the fact that that this position at the defensive line, and and we're going to preview um, all these positions throughout this summer. So we'll get to the D line in a minute, not in a minute, but in a few days. Uh, right now, you are looking at really a few guys to to bridge the gap, and and then you have to be you had to be able to replenish mm-hmm. with high school kids. Um, and, and so Ty Robinson, really the only guy with significant playing experience who's back, uh, you have Steven Wynn or Stefan Wynn, sorry. And Devin drew the two transfers that you got from Alabama and Texas tech, uh, that are going to be able to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. You got Casey Rogers. Who's out. Uh, you lost Ben Stilley, Deontre Thomas, Damian Daniels. Mm-hmm. All those guys were huge contributors in terms of playing time and, and production on the field. Yeah. Nash Hutmacher is going to have to step up. You're going to need to get something out of guys like Mosai Newsom, Ruquan Buckley, Marquise Black, uh, Colton Feist may have to play a little bit at the from the walk-on spot. Uh, and and so the fact that you were able to not miss on such a huge opportunity right here in the backyard of Nebraska. Uh, with a kid like Maverick Noonan, who does, as I say, check all of those boxes. But <laughs> I think maybe the most important one, just for in terms of looking at the roster, is the fact that it's at this position. It's mm-hmm. at the D-line. It's at a place where they, they had to be able to reload with a really, really high-quality crop of high school kids. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've heard a lot of discussions from um, from sports shows, and I've seen it on, on Twitter, that it, it's hard for folks to look at the future of the program when you're getting so many mercenaries, essentially. Yeah. The, the, the transfers that might be here one year and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. But, like you said, Cole, 
it's filling a gap because the way you build a program is through your high school recruits, but you also have to plug the gaps quite literally here with defensive line guys um, through the transfer portal. So from the outside looking in on the the types of guys that have come in through the transfer portal, you're getting those stopgap guys. They're going to get you through as you build your recruiting back up on that side, where uh, that particular position. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you got to hope that you can develop them when they get here. Mm-hmm. But it's get those transfers until you can get these guys all up to speed. And hopefully a couple of your guys that are already in the program are ready to go, can step up into those positions. Um, but like there, there is a time and a place for the mercenaries, and that, that time is to make sure you can get those high school recruits that you can develop through your program. Um, because as soon as you can get guys like Maverick Noonan, thinking, looking at the same class on the defensive line, Riley Van Poppel, if you can get those same guys to come in and be here three, four years and develop all the way through, then you don't have to go pick up somebody in the transfer portal unless you really, really want them. Mm-hmm. So in terms of where Nebraska sits in recruiting right now, so that is the 10th commitment for Nebraska in the 2023 class. Uh, the the commitment there of Maverick Noonan, he's their fifth highest rated commit, and Nebraska is up to 24th mm-hmm. overall uh, in the 24-7 rankings as well as the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, which kind of factors in everything. Riley Van Poppel's the the number one guy that's that's committed thus far. In terms of who's left on the board, I mean, obviously number one at this point is Malachi Coleman. Uh, he's the number one player in the state of Nebraska, according to 24-7 Sports, um, just outside the top 100. He is a top 100 recruit on mm-hmm. Rivals. Uh, and, and in terms of the rest of the guys, you already have commitments from uh, now Maverick Noonan, Brock Knutson and Gunnar Gatula, both on the offensive line. Ben Bramer out of Pierce at the tight end spot. And Sam Sledge, another offensive lineman. He's out of Creighton Prep. Uh, you mentioned McIntyre and Flores are going down to Oklahoma. Um, those are all the guys I just listed there. That's the top eight in mm-hmm. the state of Nebraska. And Maverick, or Malachi Coleman is the last one on that list. So, I mean, this this staff is is making making it happen with those guys after having a tough 2022, where the top four kids in the state of Nebraska, all Omaha based guys, they all went elsewhere uh, in the Power Five. So, the fact that Nebraska is able to do that in terms of the in state uh, and kind of resetting the the table for 2024, they they've already got their eyes on some 2024 guys. They had these huge visit weekends over the last few weeks with the Friday Night Lights camps, uh, with the seven on seven, uh, with the the uh, pipeline camp, and 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 those those oh. types of events have allowed the new staff guys like Bill Bush and uh, Mickey Joseph, the 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 big time recruiters out of these new staff members yeah. um, to be able to get their footing as well as the Donovan Riolas and Brian Applewhites too, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though they aren't known as much for their recruiting prowess. Uh, they have, they have been able to make connections and, and have impressed some of the guys yeah. that they're trying to get after as well. So la- just looking at last year real quick, cause obviously it was the top four that, that left. Yeah. Nebraska only got three of the guys that were three star better in the state. Yeah. And there were 12 of those. They went 25% on guys three-star or better in the state last year. That's not good. Now, obviously, I'm always going to come in and defend a lot of the athletes that maybe they just want to go somewhere different. Sure. Like we saw Devin Jackson go out to Oregon. Okay, that's someone who maybe just wants to go somewhere different. Like it or not, maybe someone just wants to go to the SEC. Okay, it's hard to fault some of those decisions. Yeah. When you're losing a bunch of guys to Wyoming and Northern Illinois and Kansas State. Even North Dakota State. Yeah. You've seen um, guys I, on there. And- you're losing an edge rusher to Iowa. Yeah. Like, those are the ones that you can't have because they're leaving your state not for somewhere with a coast and warmer weather. They're leaving your state for somewhere that is exactly like you and going to play the same brand of football as you, but not with you. It hurts. So, big improvement this year. It's fantastic to see, and um, I'd expect more. Also, just on the uh, the transfer portal side of things, um, Greg Sharp keeps letting me know. Um, he told us on on Thursday, talking specifically about like baseball. They're not done. 
No, they they just got another kid this week from Southern Miss. They got a kid from Oklahoma State the week before. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams were in regional round, so they have yep. postseason experience now. But he's telling us not all of them are out yet. There's going to be more for oh, baseball come terms, out. Yeah, well, we just saw one yesterday, wasn't it? Core Jackson mm-hmm. just entered his name in the transfer portal. He had a nice, he had it. I mean, out of the guys that you were excited about who may be coming back to Nebraska, right. Core Jackson had a nice season in the middle infield, and he's let, gone. Let me reword this. Yeah. There's more transfer portal guys to be announced coming to Nebraska. Coming to Nebraska, okay. Well, it, and and you just saw one that went out from Nebraska right, yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are they are looking to get better now. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty. We talked about the junior college route and the work they've done there. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty clear. Will Bolt's not going to sit on his hands and and just try to try to hope that the guys they have are good. He. He's he's got an idea of what he needs and he's You're going fl- out finding it. Man, between the big three men's sports, you are flipping coaching staffs and rosters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to learn all of the guys brand new next year. It is uh it is a mad scramble right now this <laughs> offseason. Uh, we're keeping track of it all for you here on the KLI Husker Hour. Uh, we are also going to get into our position preview next. It is the running back position. We'll run down who Nebraska lost from last year, who's coming back, and which newcomers might be able to contribute right off the bat in 2022. That is coming up right here on the KLI Husker Hour. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. It's real hot out. You're out of, kids are out of school. Summer vacation. I mean, it's it's time. It's time for summer position previews here <laughs> on the KLIN Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. And today... It's time for the running backs. Oh boy, get into the backfield. That's right. And so it's it's a little bit uncertain as to what that picture will look like. So this segment's going to have a fair amount of wild speculation, but some, you know, educated guesses as well based on week to week last year was educated guesses and wild speculation. Yeah, I mean, looking at last year again, out of the 12 games that Nebraska played, not a single running back played all 12 games. The most was Ramir Johnson, who played 10. After that, Jaquez Yant and Marquis Stepp played seven each, and then Gabe Irvin played four. Mm-hmm. So, And Savion Morrison played six. He's not here. Marvin Scott played three. He's not here. Those are your returners, and and I don't know that any of them did anything... I mean, you had Ramir Johnson kind of finish out the season, so he's maybe the leader in the clubhouse mm-hmm. for, in, in that regard. But I think the newcomers are definitely going to have their say as well. But let's let's start with the guys who are back. Yes. And those are, as I mentioned, Ramir Johnson, Gabe Irvin, Jacques Yant, and Marquis Stepp. So right off the bat, Ramir Johnson got the most run, but, yeah. he, but he never took the job, you know? Um, I also, he's, he's never a guy that has struck me as big enough to be out there and get 30 carries if they needed a guy to take 30 carries. But he also was a guy who could have gone, and especially the way this offense works, could have been out there a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you brought in the new coaching staff, they're very excited about Ramir Johnson. So yeah. that, that could be something at play going into this next year. Gabe Irvin was the guy until he got hurt. What what has that recovery been like? Where is he going to be going into this next year? Because if you were the guy, you were the starter, and he had that position, is he able to go do that again? Jack Yant was a guy we were all very excited about, and then he came in a little bit overweight into the fall. He had to shed that. Things are looking good. Mm-hmm. He trips over his own feet and then just gets put in the doghouse. Still something I will forever be baffled about on the decision-making of if you make one bad play, 
in that running back room, you were suddenly just benched for eternity. I think it was also the Michigan game where he, he ran a, a, a draw or a lead play or whatever in the wrong direction and didn't see the field the rest of that game either. Right. Um, so there, there's never been... And yes, the, you, you should expect perfection. And while accepting that folks are going to fall short of that... Um, so that was a big issue we had with that entire room. And then Marquis Step was someone that we were all excited about coming in from USC. Yeah. Um, and he just never went and like really took that job away either. So what, what is another year in the system? He rem- he's Marquis Step gives me Diedrich Mills vibes of <laughs> not really going and doing a lot in that first year. But if he can have a Diedrich Mills second type season, that's going to be good for this team. And those are all of your returners. Yep, those are the guys who are back. Ramir Johnson, 495 net rushing yards, four touchdowns. Um, you mentioned his size. He's 5'10", 185. He's the lightest of all the running backs on the roster as listed on Huskers.com. Um, same weight as both incoming freshman A.J. Allen and Emmett Johnson. And uh, Ramir Johnson has been here for a couple of years. So uh, He's slight, but he does have uh, some experience, and, and so we'll see how, how far that can carry him. Gabe Irvin, you mentioned that he had that job early. Um, he only played those four games to start the year. Um, averaged 31 yards per game. Ramir Johnson averaged 49 yards per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marquis Stepp, 25 yards per game in his seven games of action, but I think a, a huge chunk of that was, was it the Buffalo game yeah. or was it the Fordham game? It was early game, on. One of those. I think it was the Fordham game because I remember time, I remember his uh, his his reaction to the guy that made thirty tackles in the post game. Oh right, thirty. So so that that is your that's your group of returners. Uh, Marvin Scott and Savion Morrison, the only guys that left, and they left via the transfer portal. Uh, didn't have anybody graduate out. In terms of the newcomers, though, this is where it gets intriguing because you have some guys that that everybody's pretty excited about, especially Anthony Grant uh, out of the New Mexico yeah. Military Institute. He's formerly at Florida State. He was at New Mexico Military Institute. Also won, uh, I forget what award, like the not the academic Heisman, but he he was he was recognized as the the top junior college athlete in some form or fashion. Yeah, it was he was the uh, 2021 National Junior College Athletic Association Male Student Athlete of the Year. That's why he's the sports director, folks. Male Student Athlete of the Year. So he's the guy who I think everybody's most excited about. You do have AJ Allen who everybody liked a lot out of Monroe, Louisiana. Um, he's in here as well. And Emmett Johnson, uh, another true freshman out of Minneapolis. So those are the three newcomers. But uh, Anthony Grant, I think, Caleb, in terms of guys who you see could maybe have the total package to be able to grab the job mm-hmm. and not have as much of a rotation as we've seen. He and Gabe Irvin are are kind of the two guys that I think could fill all of the roles that Nebraska wants out of their backs to have somebody who can play on first and second down and, mm-hmm. and get the hard yards, somebody who can pass pro, somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit as well. Those are those are the guys that you want if you want to have somebody lock that job down. And then you get to sprinkle in a little little bit here and there. But Anthony Grant, I think, is is that guy who who you could see in terms of the newcomers be that most impactful recruit. Yeah, and until things get updated, which normally they do when guys start showing up for their uh those summer workouts and then into the fall. But Gabe Irvin, six foot two fifteen. Yep. Anthony Grant, five eleven, two ten. Yep. Those are guys with very similar builds that you would expect to be a nice little one two punch. Um they're they're also gonna run kind of the same and you got need guys that are gonna pass block. Again, we're going into a year with running back just being a crapshoot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, like there, there's so many I could make a case so seven guys here. Oh man. I could make a case for every single one of them. Yeah. Including the two incoming freshmen, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like that that's that's one of the things. Although the two incoming freshmen are going to be more along the lines of that Ramir Johnson. So you would think experience should hold out for him, especially with the coaching staff being excited for him. Yeah. Those incoming freshmen you you you've had a lot of guys that are like, "Oh, I really like this coaching staff." The coaching staff really likes them. So where where does that play into some of it? I think Anthony Grant is going to be top three in the depth chart. If we just had to pick, if I had to just pick three guys that are going to be your top three in the depth chart, it's going to be Anthony Grant, Gabe Irvin, and Ramir Johnson. And I think depending on the week, 
Step or Yant can get into there, um, especially if there's an injury or there's a specific package where they can go be a bowling ball. Um, but just basing it off of what we've seen in the past and where things can project to coming out this year, I think those would be my top three. Yeah, I would agree. I, those are those are I think the guys that are most likely to be your your as close to an every down back as you may see out of a Nebraska running back this season. Although if Nebraska gets inside the five, I wouldn't mind seeing number zero and number eighty two both run out there together. Yes, get a little Yant and uh, Chancellor Brewington coming over for that massive block across the line. I think what you do have with this group, and we haven't seen this in a while, the number of times you could run I formation with this group. You know, like because a lot of the sets we see are just the single running back. Um, I do think there are times to run the eye, the offset eye. Um, you can go Maryland eye if you really want. Um, mm. Just get them all out there. Yeah. But go Maryland eye against Maryland. They're like, oh no, the mirror. <laughs> oh my God. Um, sorry, that was too set up for Spider-Man that Spider-Man meme. <laughs> but think about this: if you rolled out there and it is Step and Yant in the backfield. And you're like, okay, something heavy is coming down. And you've got, if you have Stepan Yant in the backfield and Brewington in motion, you're going to go clear some space. You know, even Anthony Grant, Gabe Irvin, like, get your guys that are big to not just be the guys carrying the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I'm one of those guys and I know I'm only on the field, if I'm either going to get the ball or I'm going to pass block. Okay, get me on the field and let me go run over a like just get in the way of a D lineman or go headhunt a linebacker mm-hmm. and get in the way for someone else and spring something cuz guess what? Nebraska fans will recognize that. They definitely recognized it with Chancellor Brewington, you know, as he comes across it's like he's in motion, someone's about to die. <laughs> so, you can get some of that with these guys. Find a way to get more of them on the field. Um, and I guess the other thing that we haven't so much talked about with these guys is their pass catching ability, right? Um, which is a big deal. W- was it? Uh, we saw Step on a wheel route last year. Did yes. we? Yeah. Yes. So he's got some pass catching. We've seen Yant do it a little bit. Ramir Johnson, obviously, you have to if you were built that size. Had, you have had to about be seventy catches against Iowa, if I recall. Yeah, you have to be able to catch the ball at that size. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's just so much in this group. Obviously, I said Grant, Irvin, and Johnson would be the top three that I would initially have coming into camp. By the time you get to Ireland, it could be three other guys. It might, like, all three of those could be fourth or lower on what would be the expected depth chart. Yeah. You got to see what guys did during the offseason, and that's a big deal. Has Irvin um, recovered enough? If not, I think Yant has, to me, out of this entire group, Yant has the biggest upside. Yeah, if if I were to go from those seven guys, to me, Jack Yant has the biggest upside of he could be the dude multiple years. Take care of that body, and and yeah, you can go places. But yeah, he's got to have come in, take care of that body. Can't have the 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 play mistakes on where you're going. Yeah. But he was just a freshman, and now he's a sophomore because Gabe Irvin only played those four games. He got a red shirt. Yeah. So you've got the opportunity to have some of these guys around for a few years, which just makes your running back room better. Um, and then, yeah, the stopgap, as we talked about with the D-line, you have that with Anthony Grant. Yeah, and not to forget, I mean, Jack Yant came in as a, as a walk-on as well, which is <laughs> just crazy to me. So the other thing that I want to talk about with running backs here as we preview the running back position here on KLI and Husker Hour, the last four years, this has been your lead running back or your lead, your lead, uh, your lead ground uh, gainer, your lead rusher. 2018, Divino Zigbo, over 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. 2019, in terms of net, it was Diedrich Mills with 745, but if you go by uh, just yards gained, it was Adrian Martinez, 790. Mm-hmm. 2020, again, just an eight-game season, but Adrian Martinez was your leader, 521. Diedrich Mills, 396 at running back. And then last year, your leading rusher, again, Adrian Martinez, with 525 net yards, 723 before losses, and Ramir Johnson with 495 net yards. So three years in a row... The leading rusher, essentially, has been Adrian Martinez. And your leading running back has fallen short of 750 yards each season. So the fact that you have a different running ba- or a different quarterback in the backfield with these guys, mm-hmm. you're not going to be running Casey Thompson nearly as much as, as Adrian Martinez ran. 
I don't even know what the percentage, like, is it going to be like 25% of the running that Adrian Martinez did? 10% of the running Adrian Martinez? We don't know that breakdown, but we know that he's not going to run as much as Adrian Martinez did. Mm-hmm. So you, just by definition, if you're going to have even the same averages in terms of your offensive production, the running back position is going to give you more rushing yardage. Right. Just the raw number. What's insane with that, by the way, is different. Yeah, obviously. What's insane about that, by the way, with Adrian Martinez, the amount of times in the press box we're yelling run on like a third down and there's green grass and he tries to fit in a pass downfield. Yeah, he had more opportunities. (laughs) Like He could have ran for more. Absolutely. Um, But you go three straight years and you don't challenge, obviously 2020, whatever, but you don't challenge for a thousand yard rusher. Um, you, you don't put someone out there that can be an 80-yard-a-game guy. Mm-hmm. Not even a 100-yard-a-game, just 80-yard-a-game guy. Yeah. Because if you're an 80-yard-a-game guy over 12 games, you're going to be in that ballpark of 1,000 yards. Yeah. And Nebraska hasn't had that. Now, think about 2019. Are things different if you've got Maurice Washington the whole time? I think so. You, you know, like, think about who was the most talented running back that they would have had back there. Yeah. Um, are things different if your if your offensive line is blocking a bit better? That's a big part in this conversation, too, is what, what does the offensive line look like? Um, who's blocking? There's a few what-ifs in terms of injuries last year with just the two guys I yes. think of, Prohaska mm-hmm. and then Gabe Irvin. Yes. Yeah. So, so you start to throw in a lot of where the improvements can come from. Play calling, guys being healthy, offensive line. So, and not in any particular order there. But so now you've got a new offensive line coach, and people are raving about Royola. So, hopefully, between having an improved offensive line, even with losing a second rounder to the NFL in, in your center, yeah. hopefully, overall, the offensive line is improved. Yeah. Your tight ends can get in some, some good blocking there, and you're able to play call and scheme differently, not surrounding your quarterback in the run game. I think all of those things benefit this running back room. Yeah. And as we've mentioned with some of the other position previews, it's it's a lot dependent on other positions that are around them. So the running backs, obviously a huge part of how they produce is going to be, depend on that offensive line mm-hmm. um, and and vice versa. You're going to have a lot more, um, a lot more praise heaped on that offensive line if one of these off- yeah. uh, running backs emerges. Uh, with a big season. Uh, and last thing I'll mention, you mentioned how this is a crapshoot yet again. <laughs> the last time Nebraska had a thousand yard back in 2018, Divino Zigbo, remember, he wasn't the guy going into camp that year. <laughs> he wasn't the guy like two games in, even. They were banking on Greg Bell, mm-hmm. a Juco transfer uh, in Scott Frost's first season. And then he didn't have it. And they, you know, Divino Zigbo went in there and grabbed that job and never let it go. And ended up going to the NFL where he's still at today. So that's another thing. Like the last time Nebraska had a thousand yard back, they had no idea who it was going to be. Um, maybe history repeats itself this year and somebody can surprise grab that job in 2022 and, <laughs> and do what Divino Zigbo did in 2018 uh, and get themselves to a thousand yard season. For the It'd be nice. Position. That type of production could help, uh, could help keep Scott Frost around for 2023 and beyond. All right, we've got more to come. We've got some old friends from Nebraska baseball coaching ranks, uh, what they did uh, and what they were. uh, We'll we'll have some updates on those. (laughs) Some schedule news as well for Nebraska football, if you missed that. Uh, And then, uh, yes, we will tell you about uh, yet another top overall recruit that John Cook went out and found uh, on the recruiting trail. That's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's change the subject to someone else. You know, lately I've burying the lead a little bit as uh, Caleb and I have done, talked about running backs, talked about Maverick Noonan. Uh, just yesterday, or was it Thursday? Two days ago. Thursday. Yes. I can't, I can't keep it straight. Uh, too many kids. So, uh, just two days ago, the NBA draft happens, and for the third time in four years, Caleb, the Huskers have 
a Nebraska men's basketball player taken in the NBA draft. What a time Ooh. to be alive. Yeah, Bryce McGowan's officially selected by Minnesota, but those draft rights were traded to the Charlotte Hornets, so he is back to the Carolinas. Very cool, right where he grew up. That's so cool. Um, Trey McGowan's is going to play summer league ball with the Clippers, but um, looking at the draft, Bryce is the highest draft pick for the Huskers since Ty Lue. Last in 90, first rounder. 1998. Um, this is the first time Nebraska's had back-to-back years of draft picks since 98-99 with Lou, and then in 99, um, Vincent Hamilton. This is the first time you've gone three out of four since 1979-81-82, wow. where you had guys drafted. How's about this, though? This, this one stood out to me the most. I think I know where you're going. You have Isaiah Roby drafted in 2019. Delano Banton last year, Bryce McGowan's this year. Three out of four years. If you were to just look at the draft and go, oh, Nebraska had three guys drafted in four years, they must have had a year in there where things went okay. Not a single one of those guys played together. Uh, You have a four-year stretch of three draft picks and not one of them. Even with Banton sitting out a season, not a one of them played together. Boy, oh boy. Um, now, I've got a question for you. Yep. Um, because if anyone goes to uh, KLIN.com or um, AllHuskers.com with our friends at Husker Max, the, I put all of the draft picks Nebraska men's basketball has had all time. Okay. Very first three, 1949, Bob Rutherford, 1950, Milt Whitehead, 1951, Bob Pierce. Can you name the teams they were drafted to? Uh... Probably not. Is it like the the East Lansing Lugnuts or something? Be close to that. The St. Louis Bombers (laughs) for Rutherford, Whitehead to the Chicago Stags, and Pierce to the Indianapolis Olympians. Gosh. I I said what a time to be alive earlier. No, the 50s, what a time to be alive. Give me some of that retro gear. I know. That sounds fantastic. I know. Um, St. Louis Bombers. Talking about uh, folks making decisions on where they're going, obviously... Congratulations, best of luck to the McGowan's brothers yes. beginning that NBA journey together. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Husker Volleyball picks up a uh, number one recruit in the entire country, according to one publication. That's Skylar Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, 6'2 outside hitter from Overland Park, Kansas. So you've got her just in the backyard. Over the last few years, depending on publication, you've also got this next year where Harper Murray is going to be coming in. She's number one. Mm-hmm. Hayden Kubik just getting to campus. Maddie Kubik's younger sister. Yep. She's number one. Yep. Kennedy Orr expected mm-hmm. to take over the setting. She's number one. And in that same class, Lindsey Krause was a number one. Yeah. Depending on the publication. Kennedy Orr, the, the player that you're moving Nicklin Hames positions for. Yep. So I you are going to have... We, we talk about what folks have done over a, a four-year stretch. There is a possibility... There is a possibility that in t- the fall of 2024, you are going to have five number one recruits on the floor at the same time. My goodness. There is that possibility. Um, Another recruit, this one just came in. Literally within the last few minutes. Uh, thanks to our buddy Lincoln Arneal for, uh, for retweeting this from an Instagram post. The 2024 commit, Aiden Ames, she's the third member of that class, 6'5 middle blocker from uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Number five overall prospect, top middle blocker rated in the country. John Cook. made her commitment today. I know I, this this gets thrown around too much with <laughs> with good guys and and the the character is a bad guy, but it's it's the Thanos adding another Infinity Stone. And it's just John Cook just adding more power. That is a bad man. Oh, that is a bad man. Just just killing it in the recruiting. As I game. tweeted out this week, why would he ever retire? Yeah. Why would you ever retire? <laughs> just just going to keep reloading with these number 1 overall classes. It's uh it's it's of course pretty impressive. Oh no, he's got the reality stone. <laughs> what are we going to do now? He doesn't need to turn back time cuz he just <laughs> it just keeps getting better and he better. He's morphing the volleyball world's reality to his will. Yes. Yeah, you should have aimed for the head. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, we still have some uh, old friends from college baseball days past for Husker baseball, baseball uh, and some schedule news with the football program when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. 
talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. College World Series finals are set. That's right up the road, and uh, the game one of the championship series will be later today. Oklahoma, they were a uh, regional two seed. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Ole Miss, a regional three seed and the literal last at-large team into the field. (laughs) Um, And they are into the finals. So that's going on this weekend in Omaha. The team that they just eliminated, Ole Miss, uh, was Arkansas. And, of course, Dave Van Horn, former mm-hmm. Nebraska coach, uh, still chasing that elusive first national title. Had the number one overall seed last year and lost to NC State after barely getting by Nebraska. And then uh, made it back to Omaha, almost made the finals this year with uh, a team that was not near as good as last season's uh, and, and just came up just short. So that's where Dave Van Horn's season ended. Uh, another old friend, the guy that replaced DVH here in Lincoln, Mike Anderson, mm-hmm. the last coach to take Nebraska to the College World Series, the only coach at Nebraska who's won a College World Series game at Nebraska. Um, he uh, was replaced by Darren Erstad in 2009, or was it 2011? No, 2000, 2011. 2008 was the last time Nebraska made the regional round. So 2011, Mike Anderson, last time he was a head coach, he is back in the coaching ranks at his alma mater at Northern Colorado. Very cool. Uh, so congrats to Mike Anderson. Uh, and, and Northern schools making other appearance. Uh, the Husker football team has uh, announced a, a game with Northern Iowa in 2024. $600,000 on the contract to uh, bring them in. They'll also, Nebraska will also host UTEP and Colorado that fall. Yeah, and Northern Iowa, uh, we talk about the the pipeline from Montana yes. with Samari Toure and then Brian Bussini. Uh, Northern Iowa's got a couple guys on the roster right now and Chris Kalarvik and Omar Brown, who will play cornerback this season, who was the uh, FCS Player of the Year in 2019. Uh, so uh, a couple of Northern Iowa connections there. Well, also... Frost, Chenander. Scott Frost, yep. Mario Verduzco did work there, yeah. and not with the staff anymore, but yep. Some ties there to uh, the Panthers. They're going to be here, and uh, that's one of those teams where careful what you wish for, Power <laughs> 5 school bringing Northern Iowa, but that's who the Huskers will play in 2024. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us here today, and uh, we will have another position preview next week. And it's 4th of July weekend next week already. Yes, it is. Also want to give a, a big shout-out. 50th anniversary of Title IX was yes. this week. Uh, a lot of great publications out there. Nebraska will be doing more throughout the year. 